0: (laughs) (laughs) new theme song this has been be rad for jesus you're rad i'm not jesus
1: welcome to the be rad for jesus podcast we're so glad to have you with us today today we are talking about beer and smoked meats that's super fun who doesn't love to talk about food also sort of what we're talking about is that beer and alcohol in in moderation are somewhat holy so I don't know get over that and read your bible find out but (laughs) um, and and church history but and then Jesus made water into sparkling water (laughs) Yeah, into grape juice, which no one had ever had before because juice went bad immediately and refrigeration was a non-thing. So, (laughs) Scott, it's so good to have you with us today or with me today. It's so good to have me with you today because we are only we host this together so i'm brian lucas one of the hosts of the b rad for jesus podcast scott lucas my little brother you are with me we're in the same clothing because we actually filmed this all in one day because we talked too much and it was way too much to be one episode so we're splitting it in half anyway how you doing man
0: (laughs) fantastic i was just gonna say i don't think i uh i don't know if you feel this way you're obviously a pastor i've heard yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> That's
1: what my church um, says.
0: uh, I, I recently spoke at my church cause uh, I get to speak once, once in a blue moon at my church. And, um, uh, I, I just mentioned, I think, um, at, <laughs> that I don't know if you feel this way. I wanted to, to take your pulse on this. I, if you asked me to speak to like a stadium full of 60,000 people on any topic that I am remotely versed in, I'd be like with like two hours notice, I'd be like, I, I'll do it. I mean, yeah. How bad could it be? (laughs) You know, like (laughs) like public speaking is just not even a remote fear of mine. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and so I don't know if you feel that way. I just, I, I found that to be the case. Like, you know, other, other speakers on the communicators team are like nervous and I'm, I don't, I rarely feel nervous. I'm always excited.
1: The more, I'll say the more planned the thing is. So like all the way up to the most horrifying thing I've ever had to do in front of everybody was spoken word. Ah, um, that's different that was scary and I did that but that's at, performing that's like is, playing music too Like it like, is you know, it's but different. it's well and yeah and so like in each way like spoken word and then leading worship in front of a big crowd and then preaching is in there but even like the more dialed in I've got something like if I have a real specific intro I'm trying to hit like I've done some stuff like uh, we used to do series based on movies you know and so I did Les Mis one year and so I started by like singing out the uh, the beginning, you know, but I rewrote it as like, look down, look down into your Bibles now, you know, and like did the, the whole Jean Valjean like prison song, you know, uh, and uh, but like I rewrote the lyrics for um, for, you know, talking about going into Bible study in church and like just it was a joke, but I was so nervous. And it was going to be like 20 seconds, you know, or it's like 35 seconds or something. But I was so nervous to do that because (laughs) I wrote it and it's like this performance thing where I'm not just being judged on whether or not like the Holy Spirit showed up. I'm being judged on (laughs) what on the exact wording and whether or not that was cheesy or cringy or funny. I'm being judged on whether or not I could sing well and that might be embarrassing. I'm being judged on, you know, all these different things. And so that was scary. Same with spoken word is such a unique like it is such a fine line where like this is really cool to this is really stupid yeah and really just silly and cheesy and cringy yeah. and you no, don't feel, want that like in few... that case and so that's even just for easter at my church that was terrifying but when i did spoken word in the dark in front of a couple thousand people at, at the mega church i used to work at that was all that was so terrifying and we had to do it three we had three easter services and so i had to do it three times and every time i was like "I do not i can do this again <laughs> like, it's so scary so yeah
0: well that's like uh but preaching I mean, no problem I, yeah i feel like i could talk like speaking is one thing performing is another thing because i don't think i could play like i mean no offense to worship music but worship music super basic it's like really easy to play <laughs> yeah. and um that I don't get nervous about, but, um, like, uh, some of the guitar songs that I've written and performed, yeah, I literally will be like, and uh-huh. that's, imp- you can't be doing this when you have to like tap strike a hundred notes in a song, you know, right. and you're like, <laughs> and it's like, I can't, I can't do it without shaking because it's just so there's way too much going on and it's not something that it's when you're talking, it's an art form and there's filler words and you say, um, and like, and I don't know a lot and people we say it way too don't much don't notice so that they editing. just filter that out they filter it out do I, they? I, know I this hope is so me, this is me trying not to say it by the way
1: <laughs> I know I've been working on it too because I say it I say it so much and then when I go back and edit the podcast I'm like oh like, my like, gosh like 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 <laughs> I say like uh, probably a hundred it's not our times fault we episode. grew up in
0: Northern California
1: NorCal hella over it for days bro
0: I know well hella's coming back apparently that's a new like I've noticed people I said it the other day that no one batted an eyelash yeah I remember like 2010 you couldn't thank you is that a tasty language? in in 2010 you weren't allowed to say it it like became a a, like bad thing and now it's back yeah because i said um i I said like oh yeah it's hella far and i was like because it just feels (laughs) taboo because for a while it was our word in norcal it was it was our word and then uh south park made an episode about it yeah that's why it became, as far as I remember, that's why it became mainstream. Yeah. Because it was this weird, like they made a, a Cartman gets obsessed with saying like, that's hella dumb, you know? Yeah. And, and it just became <laughs> like this thing.
2: And but when it was I first moved word, to Southern California,
1: when I first moved to Southern California in 2002, one, 2002, um, it was just becoming like NorCal was a big brand with like BMX and dirt yeah, bike stuff. The nautical stars. Yeah. And... <laughs> and the nautical stars and stuff. And that got picked up by people in like Riverside County and like the 909 Inland Empire and like living in Huntington Beach. Yeah. Everybody was yeah. like, Oh, the hella bros from the 909. Yeah. And, and so that was like the flat everything. And I'm like, this just looks like all the guys from Northern California. Like these are yeah. all the guys I snowboarded with, but they're like, but that's what sucks, different is because they live in the desert. Bro...
0: Okay. Like, here's my impression of a bro in Tahoe, you know? It would be somebody who says, like, shredding the reppies on the Narnar rad, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Fluffy white goodness, bro. And, like, a yeah. bro from Southern California is just a dude with a lifted two-wheel drive truck and a flat bill and, like, long socks. up Metal to his militia
1: knee. gear, head to toe. Yeah,
0: and it's like, and I'm like, cool, you do you, but that's they're not the same thing. And <laughs> yeah. they became like, oh, that's like a bro. I was like, no, that's not. Yeah. A bro's like a Hessian guy, yeah. you know? From, yeah,
1: exactly.
0: You know, that's like always offers to give you weed when you're on the chairlift, and you're like, I don't want that. You, know, <laughs> yeah.
1: like, you, know, you don't like, want to get in the gondola ra- with him because he's like, hey, a- do you mind if we leave the windows up so I can hotbox this? <laughs>
0: that was like a huge problem when I was a child is people offering me weed. Like, I had never been into weed. Oh. and Like, there's I've, look, it, I've smoked it plenty of times throughout yeah. my 37 years Tahoe almost. salad, man. But it's like... <laughs> It just, I'd be like a 12 year old. They're like, you want to hit this? And I'm like, no, no, I don't. (laughs) You shouldn't be saying that to me either. Uh, Uh, It was a wild, wild place to grow up. (laughs) I remember I had a
1: friend though, who like their theory on proper child rearing was that if you have a colicky baby, the best thing to do is take a big fat hit off a bowl and and blow it in their face. And it was like, yeah, I'm. Almost positive. So you, that's like but a felony. You, but, you, but you shot him, right? <laughs> yeah. You shot that guy? Yeah. You should shoot that guy. Absolutely. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I think we just...
0: Talking about the sanctity of life was last episode, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, that,
1: yeah, that's not even this episode anymore. Get your day straight. All right. Oh, too radical okay
0: too radical <laughs>
1: you're too rad oh man you All know right, man. the bible well, does clearly say that drunkenness is a sin and yet God gave them wine to gladden the hearts of men so yes. it's it's meant for our good goodness and Paul tells Timothy to take wine as a uh, medical thing to help with his stomach issues probably because he's been drinking unclean water because water clean water is hard to come by unless yep. you live at a spring or a fast river <laughs> Yeah, seriously. (laughs) But anyway.
0: Well, enjoy enjoy the podcast. We're glad you're with us. We are so glad
1: you're with us. All
0: right. All right, Um, fine. We're so glad. We're so glad. (laughs) Oh, heck yeah. Uh, I just said she's going to crack a beer and I'm like, all right, yeah, well, let me know.
1: (laughs) I mean, we don't drink.
0: This is a Christian podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's totally getting Um, edited out. But one of these days we will talk about uh, alcohol and whatnot. Um, Hold on. Let me, let
0: me find this real quick. Um, This is actually a beautiful thing. This is the, the, um, the blessing of beer. The Catholics have a blessing for everything. And I think it's beautiful. It's, um, so the priest says our help is in the name of the Lord. All who made heaven and earth, you respond, right? Priest, Lord be with you. All, may he also be with you. And then, Lord, bless this creature beer, which by your kindness and power has been produced from kernels of grain. I just love that. (laughs) And let it be healthful drink for mankind. Grant that whoever drinks it with thanksgiving to your holy name may find it a help in body and in soul. (laughs) (laughs) Like through Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm like, that is so beautiful. They have one for wine too. They like, they have one for every, like bread. I'm like, these are, I want to get in touch with this. This is so cool.
1: So, so on that note, so my kids have started watching, um, I think it's on Amazon prime. It's, um, Tudor monastery farm. It's the same people that do there's Victorian farm. There's, um, Uh, I can't think of all the ones Uh, Edwardian farm, wartime farm. It's basically this like couple of uh, British historians who do these different time period, uh, you know, where they do a year in the life of. Mm-hmm. and so they like for a victorian farm they went to a place that had all victorian era stuff they fix up a house they get it running again they get the estate going they have the farm they only use technology that's around at that time so you oh, know victorian, cool. it's like sort of steampunkish on some of the stuff right? it's like oh there's a steam engine for this lots of people lost hands to this thing here's why and <laughs> it's just, just like a belt yeah it's like this gnarly it's that. like those those uh metal cruncher looking things but it's running it like yeah, it's running at like 400 RPMs. And you're like, holy Ugh. crap. <laughs> and that thing looks Dude. like it would just rip an arm off. And they're like, yeah, yeah I got it totally scared does. enough at
0: the brewery with those rakes that would come on. It's like, I would look in there and like, I'd be cleaning them and you just have one of those moments where you'd be like, you know, yeah. shudder.
1: Well, and so Thank they're, um, so they're talking about um, on a Tudor monastery farm. They're talking Mm -hmm. about the Tudor period, you know, the Tudors and in a monastery and how the farm was part of everything. And as they're raising grain, they talked about like all the different things they do with barley and and the way they made ale and the way they made mead and the fact that like they had um, and she's like it shows this girl brewing beer. And you know, this was by the monastery and as she's doing it, she pulls it and she pulls like half of it out or or a good chunk of it out. And she says, this is the, this is a lot stronger. It's a lot fresher in the process. It's a lot darker. It's going to have a much higher alcohol content. This is more of your dinner dessert beer. You would only Mm -hmm. drink this at Mm -hmm. night Mm -hmm. when you're more okay with getting a little drunk or or having a buzz. Um, you know, you wouldn't want that throughout the day. And then we're going to add a lot more water and continue the process and make a much lighter ale yeah. that you would drink throughout the day because yeah. table beer. The, yeah. Because the water was undrinkable. The water Putrid, was unsafe yeah. to drink. And yeah. so beer saves the
0: world a couple times because yeah. of that reason, just because it was boiled. They didn't know.
1: Exactly. And so that between the boiling and the alcohol content that it, it kills off all the stuff and that the hops. makes you. Yeah. And so it kills off all the stuff that makes you sick. And Mm -hmm. so they had, they drank ale all day. And they, even the kids, like everybody, they were like, nobody drank juice because you couldn't keep it from spoiling. Nobody drank water because it was unsafe and they didn't understand how to purify water on its own. They knew water's fine once you process it into beer. And well, it works, and so that it was a really cool thing that like this, was, and they had some of that kind of stuff. Like they praised the Lord for the harvest and <laughs> the results, you know, of the harvest or the beer and the ales and all this. And I was like, "That's fun. This is kind of awesome."
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I know. There's um, uh, uh, there was some someone mentioned that like there there perhaps might have been, um, that time of history. Like there were hundreds of years where beer was pretty much the only safe unless you had like spring water, like people did drink, there was clean water. It's like no water was ever consumed. Right. But um, a lot of times it would be like, hey, you know, or would you like some wine to refresh you from your trip? And it would be like watered wine or something. And there was somebody who was saying, who was like, how many IQ points do you think the populace was down? (laughs) Because they were literally drinking like all day, every day. Like you said, even like seven year olds, it was like, have your beer. And it's like, it might've been two or 3%. It's, but it's not an insignificant amount to constantly be consuming, you know? And so it's an interesting, and and like most people, from what I understand, they couldn't afford the stronger stuff because that was actually, you know, what, you know, a lot of, a lot of breweries did something called, called a guile, which is Mm -hmm. get you strong runnings. You'd make a whole beer out of that. You'd take your second and third runnings and maybe make two other beers. And um, runnings, meaning, like, when you wash the sugar out of the grain and separate the liquid from the, from the actual grain, mm-hmm. that, that gets weaker, obviously, as you go on. And so, right. um, you it's know, like so sometimes you divert different portions. Like, you might save a portion of the very strongest and then, mm. uh, you know, make a beer and then do your second runnings and then mix that portion back in so you don't lose all your, you know, efficiency in the whole system. And so they were very smart about using all the meat off the bone. and. Yeah. You know, the, the, ba- the basic process was the super an hour long boil that basically saved the world. You know, yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> well, and, and she was saying that oftentimes you would have a brewery right next to a bakery because they yeah. would use things off each other because the brewers, mm-hmm. um, the yeast foam that's coming off in the early stages is, is yeah. what they would use to make the bread to start the bread yeah. and to start as the bread starter. And you know so they still was...
0: use the, the same yeast that they've all that like in, uh, anchor brewing in San Francisco, they've been using the same yeast for like 90 years. Yeah. Cause they, they top crop it and that's like the freshest. So they literally just top crop it and then ge- and then generate more and then use that and then top. So they've never restarted anything. It's, it's wild. Yeah. So, yeah, so all, that, okay. all well, of that, that was, stuff is super. So, so now a beer, a beer, a, a beer interlude. <laughs> <laughs> beer lude. <laughs> in um, in beer lude. <laughs> it was funny because I yeah. went to uh, I went to Sour Cellars Brewing in Rancho Cucamonga, I was right across the street from where Corbin does his Urban Ninja class. And um, <clears throat> I want to do. They, a they urban were. Uh, ninja class. I, I, I was like all this stuff. I can honestly say I've forgotten more about brewing than most people know because it all just came back to me. Like, I was like, I haven't thought Mm. about these words in so long. And then he starts talking about, because he does this very, very tricky process called um, decoction. Mm. It's where you take the, like, once you have all the grain and the water mixed in your mash, Mm -hmm. you take a portion of everything. Just the whole thing, the whole mash, you put it in the boil kettle and you, like, caramelize it and put Mm. it back. And that heat, that's how you get the, excuse me, that's how you get the temperature up in the mash rather than having Mm. an open flame. So then that's how they would do these things. And so you get a double or triple decoction and it would add this like honey caramel flavor. That was like only a tiny portion. And that was like what made those like German lagers so good because they would have that little, like, how do they get this? And that was like a Maillard reaction from like cooking. Hmm. And so he does that. He does, he, it's, it takes like 15 hours, you know, to like make one batch (laughs) of lager and it's, it's so worth it. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, that's awesome. But we were just talking about stuff and I just, I was like all the vocabulary, all the, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't remember. I, I haven't thought about this stuff in years. And it just was like, it just yeah. came right out. Man. So that was fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, speaking of, um, you know, going to different uh, local places, uh, I tried out that place in Tahoe um, where like right across from where the butter muffin is, I forget what it was called. Oh like yeah, fire, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a fire and ice, but, uh, cold water. Cold water. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't good. Oh, I remember. <laughs> and you and I went uh, there and tried South stuff Lake's and you still were like pretty
0: good by the high school.
1: Yeah, no South Lake's great. But yeah. like you and I went there, went there the last time we had, you know, a bunch of family in town and, um, and, and we stopped by cold water and tried some and we were like, eh, not that great. And I remember, yeah. I remember you talking about like, this is not good. This isn't done right. Like I can see what they did wrong here. It's not very yeah. good. And that's how it tasted. Like I felt like, this feels like amateur beer, but like you know, our brother-in-law brew- still brews beer at home, and like yeah. everything he's made is, be- is <laughs> honestly, is better than the place I had. I hate to like just bash yeah. on a, a local spot, but it just like I feel like they're they're way overpriced, and it and it's never like it's been a disappointment it's, every time. Yeah, I've it gone. seems
0: like a tourist trap. Yeah, yeah, it well, it totally
1: I, is. But but South Lake, man, everything I've had from them is really good.
0: I know they seem so, like really nice people too. Yeah. It's it's funny, like yeah. You know, that whole process of just, it's like anything, there, there's like a minimum level, which is just like, do you understand the point of what you're doing on a brew day? <laughs> right. You know, and that's not reached by a lot of people. Like, <laughs> there are people who have brewed their whole life and don't know, like, why you boil beer. Like, if you think about it, it's not an intuitive, why would you have to do that? Like, yeah. uh, it's, I've already got the sugar. You know, I got the sugar, mm. like, the literally, the sugar that the yeast ferments is already there. So why mm. would I boil it? And it's, Mm. people don't, uh, you know, it's like, you could ask probably 10 brewers and maybe five of them would know even four of the reasons. And so, you know, there's a lot of things. It's like, but um, this is why I'm kind of a bad teacher with a lot of things, because I would have employees ask me like, what temperature are you mashing at? And I would say, "Uh, why do you ask that? Because there's not just one answer, (laughs) you know? this beer today is this reason because you know yeah and so there's but everything's like that when you get into it the unfortunate result is you can get by being you know just hear the steps and you can make decent beer until something gets a little off and then you if you don't know you need this much knowledge yeah to fix a problem this big right you know because well, it's like well you know <laughs> it's
1: very much like cooking I mean it's like you can follow the recipe and do all the things but until you understand why things happen when they do yeah. and what the purpose of those things are yeah like you don't when, understand if you what salt first
0: or later like yeah why do you do it and if you don't know that you're just like oh well yeah. this is how my grandma did it you know, yeah so. and you can't
1: just be like oh well i'm cooking meat so what temperature you have yeah. to ask what kind of meat because yeah. beef and pork and chicken and fish all need to elk. be treated differently and else <laughs> but i mean but he, and even like the the safe the kitchen safe temperature according to the USDA to serve pork is right. 145 or 160 that's one of the right. i think it's 160 and so or i think it's safe at 145 to eat technically it's be, it's recommended to serve <laughs> at 160 or 165 but if you want pulled pork like when i'm smoking yeah food um pulled pork you need it to get up to like Two hundred to two ten. Why? Because that's when it gets really, really. You've you've really crisped the outside and oh, you get a nice. Bark. You're
0: saying for like the sake of eating it, not for, for the, safety.
1: Yeah, for the sake of eating it, you need it to reach that temperature to where it starts falling apart.
0: Mm-hmm. If you
1: and so if you have bone in so shoulder, now. <laughs> I know, but if you have bone in <laughs> pork shoulder and you get it to two ten to two o five. When you yeah. grab the bone with your heat glove, it you just don't do it barehanded. Yeah. You grab the bone and you shake sissy. it and all the thing falls apart and you just pull out a dry bone. Jeez. But if you do that at, um, if you do that at one, you pull that out and the whole <laughs> thing's just, coming with, and you're yeah. slicing it and making ham. That's a completely different thing. But it's the and same so, part of the animal. Yeah. Say it's the same piece of meat, but you're going to have to uh. slice it. Uh, whereas yeah. like, you know, I can, without much effort, shred it with a couple of forks. You know, you I need, you're going to need to
0: put like a little, and now for a, a beer and food conversation, like 10 or 15 minutes ago, <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I might, if we keep talking about this for another like five, 10 minutes, this might just be two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, I could we'll be I good can for, for the next uh, like,
0: one. Here I'll, I'll upload my um, Scott's honey blonde recipe. And then you can give your, uh, your pulled pork recipe. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. dude.
1: I'm, I'm, I gotta say, I'm actually, I've got it down pretty well now to where I can make really good pulled pork. And the thing I've, um, the, the thing I've noticed is uh, there's two spots with pulled pork when you're in a smoker where you mm-hmm. hit like a plateau and there's ways to get over them. And I didn't realize the it, this is another thing. Like, why do you do things when you do them and how yeah, you do them? No. Right. With pulled pork, you just take marinated or rubbed pork, however you do it. I like uh, to put a dry rub on and then cover it in mustard. Gives mm. it a really tasty just plain crappy yellow mustard like yeah. Safeway select brand like it wasn't even fancy yeah. it was like a dollar bottle for you know giant and um but i i put a really good ri- uh pork rub on it and mm-hmm. so i put that all over squared it and coated all over and then you just like slap it onto the cooker And let it sit there and, you know, I put it right next to the fire, get the fire real hot at first. So it kind of sears the mustard on so it doesn't just all melt and drip off. Mm. And then you just move it back to the middle of the smoker box and just let it sit in there for hours and hours. And then, and you let it get all the way up to like 150 and that's your first. And I forgot about this. I just knew at 150, I'm supposed to wrap it. And I forgot Mm. why. But at 150, you hit a plateau where if you don't do it, if you don't change anything, you can keep all other settings the same. And the temperature inside the smoker can be well over 300 degrees and mm. you still will get your meat with your thermometer stuck like deep in the middle. It will sit at 150 for hours mm. and never move. And it's the weirdest it just thing. because It's like evaporating
0: just, off of the top. or yeah, something. And or?
1: Yeah. And the evaporation becomes so efficient that all you're doing is mm. drying out your meat. And you're not, and it'll be hours wow. until that whole, you know, cause you're cooking like 10, 15 pounds at once. And yeah, so that that's whole, kind of like, if
0: you're in an ice bath, you get a, you get like a, it's called like a heat sheath. Yeah. Where like, if you just sit still in ice water, you actually like, it's not as bad as moving around. Right. Like if because, you were in a perfectly still Cause you're still not getting pool, fresh cause you're warming cause you at, up the your, water your right around you. Your skin will just make this little layer of heat around you. And then you, it's actually just like, ah. Like it's like a relief, and then as soon as you move, it's like, oh, yeah, know, it's like, exactly. Yeah, so, and so wow, that's that's crazy.
1: So so you take it and you you know you take the tongs and stuff because again everything's like three hundred degrees. You don't want to be touching the stuff, but you take it and you roll it and you wrap it in tin foil and you get it yeah. nice and tight. Now you're insulating it, so you're trapping all the moisture inside. Now all of a sudden you watch like in like ten minutes after wrapping, your temperature starts climbing pretty steadily again. Huh? And then but just because it, it
0: can't like evaporate or whatever. Yeah,
1: and then you hit another one at one ninety 190 or one ninety five. And the thing huh. is about that is depending on what you're cooking and how big your piece of meat is, that's matter. actually an okay temperature to pull it off and shred it. It just takes a little more effort. But if you want it really, really tender, you go up to like 200 to 205. And yeah. so I... And that's when
0: you get a flamethrower and you just... Yeah. <laughs> no. And so, so that's
1: when like for me, like there are a lot of different ways. Some people just wait it out. Some, some people choose not to do it that way or have other methods. Right. I like to superheat my box again and just shove it up against but like mm. dude every time i've made pulled pork but like this last time uh we did pulled pork sandwiches for a meeting we were doing for church and pork chop sandwiches yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know every time every time you're not cooking yeah i do all right so <laughs> you can't quote the rest of that fensler films uh, gi joe it. yeah <laughs> But we uh, I, I think that every time I'm smoking pork, I just I keep saying playing that video in my head over and over. Um, I see the guy running around the corner. <laughs> oh, what the! You know. um, but anyway, uh, we served it and everybody's like, oh, OK, cool. Barbecue pork sandwiches. No big deal. And they go up and like I think everybody had at least seconds. Wow. If not thirds and fourths it was just and like, that good. yeah. And a couple of the guys at the meeting, like kept finding excuses to get up. They'd go in and just like put a couple more ice cubes in their drink and like walk by and just like take a clean fork and just like shovel some, you know, another piece or three onto their hand and just like, mm. well, all right. And go back and sit down. Like they couldn't leave it alone. And I'm like that right there. <sighs> right. Was I'm worth ordering it. a smoker right now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the one I got, it was like a super cheap and I got it for free, but it was a super cheap offset smoker. And oh, so it but takes, you
0: have to tend it yourself.
1: So you have to tend it, but I'm I'm the kind that like it, it worked out where that was a night. Yeah, what
0: time it, do you even go to bed?
1: Well, it depends on what you're cooking and how you do it. Because no, like, but
0: I mean in general, like I feel like you're a late,
1: you're you're a night owl. I am. So like I often am up <laughs> well past midnight. But but I um, with that one I totally mistimed how long it was going to take because. Uh, I got freaked out. I forgot about all of my things, why the plateaus happened. And so when I got stuck at my temperatures, I freaked out and like, you forgot to like did a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So I was anticipating it taking like 15 or more hours to, to smoke and it really only took about seven or eight. And so, um, so I was fine, but I ended up staying up all night. I started it at like 9 PM. I finished (laughs) around eight o'clock or, uh, seven o'clock in the morning. And then I like let it cool down for an hour, shredded it and then passed out. What I could have done was just gotten up early and it would have been done in time, but I didn't want to take that risk and get plateaued at the wrong temperature. Yeah. Or like, yeah, something bad
0: happens to the smoker or something. Yeah.
1: Everybody's showing up expecting food. And I'm like, I know, you know, it's like the time when we were kids and mom cooked a roast and then the dog ate the entire thing right before everybody came over. And it's like, smells great. Cool. We're having pizza. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, or the time our uncle made goat. Um, oh,
1: that was person. so terrible! And it was like,
0: it was, it was like steak flavored bubble gum. Yeah, it was just it, it needed because that's that's something where you cannot eat it unless it's cooked for like eight hours. You yeah. can't eat it exactly. Just, you it's, have it's, to it's, slow
1: cook. Uh, yeah, goat.
0: Or, or no, you can eat it if you're an alligator and you or, or a bird and you <laughs> just. Oh just skull it it you know <laughs> right. like there's no there's yeah. no way to do it as a human being because we don't have the correct like i don't know three or four stomachs required to like yeah. you know to to process that giant piece of meat but i feel like today is like this is like the golden age of smokers because yeah every time i go to like walmart or costco every few months i'm like they're including what now like now yeah. there's sear zones like there's all this stuff that like was mm. this is what prevented me from getting a smoker because I was going to get, like, the pit boss vertical one. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, I, that would just be cool to be able to do some ribs, and mm-hmm. then maybe towards the end of the ribs I throw some chickens in there, and then you have chickens and ribs, you know, and you're just good to go. But then I'm like, <laughs> oh, but then I'd have to, I still have to have a barbecue to, like, sear it if I wanted to sear anything, and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that's a, that's a hassle. And then, like, just the other day, it's, it's like a, a lot of these things – they just have a mode that you're like, oh, you want to barbe, you want a barbecue, you want to smoke, you want to grill. Just we got you, mm-hmm. and you know, and then there's a little hole that opens up, and it's just flames come out of it, and you, yeah. you can just put your stuff right. Out. And I'm like, so I think this might be the sweet spot, like to enter into the to the <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, to the, like Father's Day's coming up, so they all they all do it, yeah. And all the pellet grills you have like Wi-Fi controlled things, so you have an yeah. app on your phone, and it texts you when you're done. You're like, yeah. One okay. thing, one thing
0: that I've never <laughs> been into though is like, um. Like one of the ones I was looking at for a while, and then like I didn't realize till halfway. Like because for a while I was gonna get one. We keep like we keep not finishing our backyard, so right. it's like, all right, when we finish the backyard, we'll have a place for this. And um, uh, it was like a charcoal smoker, mm. and I was just like, I, I mean, I don't really want that. No, <laughs> I know, use rather, I like use a lot, lot of both. wood.
1: Yeah. I, I use a lot of both, well, and that's really... the beauty
0: of the offset, though, right? You can put whatever you want in there
1: yeah you could well, burn, no, burn pine needles in there and it, it's no nothing. because it has a, a chamber where it the offset is a smaller barrel next to it right and that all the smoke comes out through there and the chimney's on the other side so you don't want to put right. something like pine needles or like dirty paper or anything in yeah, yeah. um but i use, charcoal is like the majority of your heat that's yeah. your consistent heat source but Then the flavor and then just you're comes using from- you use small chunks uh, or sticks. I prefer sticks, but I couldn't find any. So I was stuck with chunks, which was also part of the reason, like my temperatures were all over the place. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I misjudged and that was part of my timing being so far off was, um, and I'm going to make this spiritual in a second, but, uh, that was part of my, that was part of my (laughs) timing, uh, being way off was I was cooking at a much higher temperature than I normally do. And I was cooking at like 350. And I really, the last time I did pulled pork, it took me like, Oh, like, 13 hours to cook a smaller piece than I did this time and wow. uh and but I cooked it at like 225 to 250. and wow. so like 100 degrees lower but it's still higher than you need to cook it but it ta- it really slowly brings it up to that temp when it's just barely over that right you know it's just like when I want it to be a reasonable temperature in the car when it's freezing outside I turn it to high you know and it's like yeah. set to 85 it's like yeah that's you know, 85 degrees warmer than it is outside, you know? Right. So it's gonna, it's gonna heat me up quicker than like, yeah, 40 right. would be an improvement, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not looking for that slow roll. Yeah.
0: yeah, But yeah, I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to zero from negative 10, you know, it's, yeah, like, I want to I go to comfortable. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> but I think too, um, you know, something that one of the things that I really love about doing this, uh, Callie had wanted to camp in the backyard and test out our camping gear. And we're like, well, we're going to go camping this summer. So we need to test out our gear. So we pulled out the tent and everything else and set it up and we're camping. You know, we got the like night sky apps. They're looking at constellations and stuff and, and they're doing all this. And I'm sitting there with my solo stove in front of me, you know, like, so I got the fire pit in front of me. I got the smoker to the next to me. And I'm like. You know, the thing I hate about having a campfire is having to go to bed and leave the fire alone. Like, I just want to keep stoking that thing and right. chilling next to it, you know, and just like, you know, have a beer, have a cigar, do whatever, you know, and, and sit and enjoy that thing. And then, and then have the smoker. So I love the offset smoker with the wood because I want to play with the fire, you know, right. like I want to keep Dude, doing that. that. Whereas the same with the pellet That's... smoker, I'm like... I don't, want yeah. a, I don't want Rosie the robot it's an to tell it's an me oven. when my... Yeah, yeah, I don't want her to tell me when my food's done. Well, and it's, it's an, an oven with yeah. smoking pellets, which it just superheats them on an electric burner, you know, at the yeah. exact right amount to produce right. the amount of smoke that you need for flavor. I know, and that's... It's but like, then, yeah. see,
0: I, I, told, I told Katie, I'm like, you know, you can get the Cadillac of offset smokers for, like, 500 bucks, you know? And, yeah. like, you can get, like the worst Traeger for 600 bucks. And so I'm like, Uh, it's
1: 799. (laughs) Yeah.
0: There's like a, well, and Traeger kind of, um, they lost their patent apparently on how their little corkscrew works. Uh, So everybody, that's why like, they're not, I guess, worth the money these days. I don't, I'm totally, hmm. this is all hearsay. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't even own a smoker. Yeah. But my friend, my friend bought one that's called like Z chain, you know, like Amazon special, like, you know, And he made the best chicken I've ever had in my entire life So yeah. um, But Like part of me just I wish I wanted to get an offset smoker Because I thought that would be I just have I just I am the same way I'm like I have the love of just There's like a a fun craft In like Stoking it at the right time Mm -hmm. But I also Like I'm like you know What I really want it for Is to just be able to invite like 50 people over and just be like, all I have to do is spend $400,000 on beef. And then, <laughs> you know, for like two racks of ribs and then, yeah. you know, like, and then, and then like, I, I put this, you know, I'll, I'm going to bed, throw yeah. it in there, set the thing. And then in the, you know, by the time everybody comes over, everything's going to be rested and it's going to be yeah. fantastic, you know? And, th- and I'm like, that's really what I want. So I, I think if I go that route, I'm probably going to get a pellet just because, I don't think I would be up for the challenge of, you know, doing an overnight cook on something that takes, you know, a lot of time to get, you know, tender or something like a brisket or something that takes 13 hours or something, you know? Well,
1: and I mean, the alternative is you get up really early and you start it. And I know a lot of guys who do that, they're going to cook a brisket, you know, that's like a 25 pound ginormous hunk of beef. And they're going to throw that on and, you know, 30 pounds of beef. And they're going to, they're going to throw that on and it's going to be, Um, You know, they know it's going to take 15 hours. They're getting up at three in the morning to do that so that they can have it for dinner. Um, But honestly, if you do get into any of that, the easiest things to get into that you can get really good results without ruining it and without spending as much of a fortune is uh, pork shoulder, which you can get Mm. fairly cheap compared to brisket. You can get the same amount of meat for half the price or less, you know, Um, and then uh, so pork shoulder to make pulled pork. Or um, salmon smokes really easy and really good, and it doesn't take very long. You don't have to heat it very much. So you just get a big thing of salmon, put some seasoning on it, and throw it in the smoker, wrap it in foil. Ribs are kind of hard, and they're really expensive. And if you screw them up, they're terrible. You know what yeah. I mean? Like ribs are finic- can be finicky. Um, anything right. I'd have to ask Joe Woodford what to do. Yeah, it can be weird. It, well, yeah, Joe's going to know. But then the other thing I found, tri-tip's really easy, too and it's delicious and then and you're not buying as much so you get a couple yeah of it is really small, small piece, no. and so it's like more than enough for your family and a and another family and you get right. you know like two of those you haven't spent an obscene amount of money and you can invite a couple f- friends over yeah have like a, have, have, have a you a done good, any chicken because you
0: know? that's kind of the thing i think that would be like the clinchers because i think my buddy he no, just i usually just literally slapped it together chicken, yeah right? well that's what he kind of did then tossed
1: it in the i've done it before and i just tossed it yeah. in
0: he he basically he used he used his pellet grill. I don't know, but I don't think it was it was not technically smoking the chicken. It was probably yeah. barbecuing it, you know, because it was for, you know. Th- I don't know what the difference is. To be honest, I think it's just a slight variance in heat. But yeah, but you know, chicken you but, do
1: want similarly. You just want it on low, and you don't and you cook it for like 20 minutes instead of like. Nice. I mean, you can cook chicken really fast, right? But All right how.
0: Yeah. Anyway. How are you going to Jesus juke this? You said you were going <laughs> to yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
1: but the thing the thing that occurs to me while I'm doing that is like you know, there's there's ways to short shorten the cook time on all of those things, but you don't get the same amount right. of stuff. Mm. But um but also even especially with the stick burner that I've got, even doing the exact same thing, I don't get the exact same results every single time. Right. The the thing that pays off is not having it dialed and doing it, but it's really, you know, paying attention to what's happening and knowing enough about what's going on to be able to respond well. And I think to me, that's a lot like how discipleship and and sanctification, spiritual formation happens. 100 percent. Is we know the you you have to know the right things to do. You can accidentally run into some of the same results. You Mm -hmm. can you can fake some of the results or manufacture it and pull it off in a different way but there's a difference in process that matters it's not just the end goal and and so the idea of like the ends justify the means like especially when it comes to spiritual formation getting to that end point is not nearly as important as how you get how you operate on your way there and on doing the right things consistently throughout is what develops it properly and that's what makes really great that's what's great about a smoker is that you the entire result you don't just get something that smells good but like even you know like i've learned different techniques for cooking steaks and it's like i can crank the grill to 400 degrees and cook and you know like get a steak cooked but it's going to be horrible compared to Mm. when i do it if i slow cook it on my grill or if i cook it on a pan in the oven or even if i throw them in the smoker for a little bit you know, right. you're going to get different kind of results, but when you take the time to let it develop properly and really cook it right, then you end up with this really great thing that the the whole process was actually really fruitful and 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 beneficial and enjoyable. Uh, but then also at the end, the the finished product is much better all the way through because it's not just yeah. like good looking or good smelling on the outside. It all the way through, it's got this consistent quality that's. Because everything's really been processed properly. So that's my little bit of a Jesus juke. I think spiritual formation works the same way. And it feels like kind of like the beer thing. It feels like this kind of spiritual moment to process the, um, you know, process this in, in, in the same way of, uh, you know, recognizing my own, like, hey, there are moments where this is frustrating and tiring. There are moments where this is hard and it's taking a lot of work. And man, that's the, that's how i've got to have the grace and look at myself of knowing like all of this hard work pays off in the end and right. this is part of god develop me developing me into the person who is properly you know brought to completion the lord is faithful to complete what he's started in you yeah no
0: that's good that's my jesus that remi- <laughs> it reminds me of something um in our small group last night um someone had like we we're we we're just starting the book of john and and mm. you know the the light uh you know enter the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it you know and then they brought up uh you know where where was the light when my you know my wife's you know mom died yeah and in you know it was real pain yeah. and um you know no theological answer is is sufficient when somebody has a heart question you know yeah and, um, but I, I just, you know, people kind of chimed in with advice and, and I kind of, I think in my younger days, I would have been the same. I would have <clears throat> jumped on them and been like, well, here's why, you know, here's why, what, here's why you're wrong about how you're feeling. you yeah. know? And, um, I think now it's, it's kind of like what you just said triggered this memory was just like, I just told him, you know, God doesn't waste anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he makes everything you go through worth it. Yeah. And no one else will ever give you that. Right. And so.
1: Um, yeah. And that's more. The and he's of- not,
0: he's not interested in, he's not interested in the shortcut because I, I shared once I, I prayed, um, you know, God, get me out of this, you know, mm-hmm. and um, which he will do at times, yeah. uh, you know, but uh, you know. God, I don't like where I'm at, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he goes, you, want, you mean like this? And like shows me a picture of a tornado yeah. and like just takes me out of it. And I go, yes, that's what I want. And he goes, that's usually what I do is I, I don't take the man out of the mess. Yeah. I make the mess into a man. Yeah. And and I shared that with him and I just said that that's my journey. That's my answer mm-hmm. that makes sense for me. It doesn't even make sense for my wife, you right. know and she's my one flesh. <laughs> like yeah. for her, she has a different way that she has had to struggle with God and wrestle with him mm-hmm. about why bad things happen to me and good things happen to bad people. Yeah. And you know there's so many verses that encourage you when you are going through that, but right. it, really, the default is you gotta you have to wrestle with God and mm-hmm. he will he knows you so well that you will be able to go through because that's I think the reason I'm bringing this up it probably sounds like a non-sequitur but that's what sanctification bloody is yeah <laughs> is, you know is you're going through some stuff and guess what Jesus is going to use it and what is he using it for this train has two stops glory and glory yeah <laughs> and that's where you're going <laughs> right. you know and well, so you you know yeah, and you, it's you're, like you're going Romans. from glory to glory to glory and so it's just this yeah. this thing where it's hard and it's difficult, but there is, the, the alternatives are just unthinkably horrible. Right. And, and Jesus, it loves us enough to let us go through the things that, and you know, cause half the things we go through are our fault. <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. And then there, there are times where of course God will test us and, but I don't, you know, I, we, we recently had to do a thing for like my church's Instagram, it was like since i'm on the communications team i had to do little short videos and i just did it on the providence of god because i mm-hmm. i've always fascinated with that conversation mm-hmm. you know and this is that same thing either god causes everything and i just have to be happy with everything that's evil mm-hmm. or god's sort of like not in control that much and maybe he's not all that powerful yeah and i don't think either of those are true i think that he can do whatever he wishes to do yeah and i think that's what judgment day is is him saying all right, blow the trumpet. Like all of this stuff is melting away. We're done with this. Mm -hmm. Now it's time for the new Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, during, during our time here, pre that, Mm -hmm. um, there are times in which God will, will violate the natural order. And I believe that's called a miracle. Yeah. And there are times where he lets things play out and, you know, and, and it's not always comfortable. And, and, I right. think he's more, much more interested in the journey than keeping his children in a bubble, you know? Right. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we, we if, if you treated your girls in a way that robbed them of ever having to face a difficult situation, like you should be reported, you know? Yeah. Like if you if you kept them from ever getting in trouble, ever getting in danger, ever failing, Right. like that's horrible you're robbing them of so much growth yeah
1: well and they, and, and yet, they can when god does that to us we're that like what the heck development <laughs> developmentally necessary um, is you know to experience risk and and fear and, and danger and overcoming those things and getting through those things and um, that's psychologically healthy for you to experience yeah. that and um, even that like you know uh, time like that with dad you know like yeah. rough play with dad and 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 kind of more Um, You know, like riskier activities and stuff with a father um, is uh, uh, is um, psychologically beneficial to daughters um, to girls that, you know, um, and so that's something that I've kept in mind with my girls. Like I've got to, you know, so taking them to the skate park and getting them to learn how to drop in on their scooters, you know, when they were little, like, (laughs) like that was, that was a big, that, and I didn't realize it at the time. I was just like, this is going to be fun. You can handle it. You know, but then like looking at it later, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like here's all this stuff that actually says developmentally, that was kind of necessary for them to develop properly, um, to be like that. And, and to the thing you were saying to that guy, like, like what you're talking about is exactly the meaning of Romans 8:28, where it says, we know all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are call- called according to his purpose. It's not about that nothing bad ever happens. It's not that everything that happens is actually a blessing in disguise. It's that God will take those things and make us better through them. Yes. Yeah, he, I use that will in my little... That, yeah, to make us better through that thing, that, that, that testing, that's one of those... Uh, moments where, where as as we continue to turn to God, there is a development of character, and, and that perseverance produces holiness mm-hmm. in us, and yeah. those things, um, those things. Well, follow I use I use that the way we walk through it. Used, I use
0: that very verse in the in the little like short videos I made, and I used um, Jesus saying, uh, you know, "Oh Israel, you that kill the the prophets who are sent to you, hmm. how." how I longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not have it. Yeah. And, um, and so that's the one I used for like, so God wishes he could do something and he doesn't. right? You know, and then he work he makes everything work. But I think the operative word in that is work. He makes yeah. it work together. You yeah. know, I had a coworker who blessedly, when I had one of my first jobs, when I moved to Southern California was a, was a Christian man and a great man of God. And, um, we would have these talks cause he would, he worked until about 11 and that's about when I started at night that, cause I was graveyard mm-hmm. and he was just like, um, what did he say? He was like, we would, we would get into all kinds of talks. He was a cool guy, but I think it was him or me. We were having a discussion once, but it was just like, you know, God is, he's so good at just redeeming a a bad situation that we're tempted to think he caused it. Mm. You know, it's like a, a a heroin addict, you know, becomes a great evangelist to heroin addicts. Yeah. And we think, well, good, God got him addicted to heroin. And it's like, whoa, bump yeah. <laughs> the brakes. I don't yeah. think that's true. You know, I just think God is so good at redeeming that it just seems like, well, this must have been the plan. And it's like, mm-hmm. nope. Right. It was not. You know, God's best and highest calling for that person was not heroin addiction. Right. But it happened and he's so good at redeeming. Well, like, look at Paul. Paul was a Christian killer, right? You know that was like his thing, like, yeah. and like people were afraid in the, in acts. Oh my gosh, it's Paul, you know, or right. Saul. It's at the time, yeah, it's Saul. He's gonna kill. Like, I'm not talking to him, you know. Like Ananias, I think, was like, I'm not going over there. Yeah, and um, and that's because he killed Christians. That's like his job. Right. And then God was like, okay, now you're gonna write you know, two thirds of the new Testament because your ministry is going to be so powerful. So did God make him kill Christians? I don't think that's, that's not the takeaway. The takeaway is the ministry God gave him. You know what I mean? The takeaway isn't why did, how did he get there? It's like, it's always look how good God is. Look at how God can take a situation from, you know, somebody who is so depraved and awful. And then he flips it around, uses everything that, that they were awful at, and then goes, Hey, now you're going to minister to the broken and you're going to be powerful. And it's like, whoa, because you, you relate to them more than anybody. So, right. You know, that, that's, that's the power and amazing thing of God with hardship and anything. And, and is that it, it, like you said, it takes time. Mm -hmm. There's no shortcuts and the end result is always worth whatever you are put
1: through. Yeah. Amen. That's good stuff right there. Hey, stick around for, uh, we've got an interview coming up with Josh Griffin, who is a legend in youth ministry. The dude uh, had a blog way back in the day on junior high ministry called More Than Dodgeball. He turned that into uh, partnering with a guy named Doug Fields, who he worked with at Saddleback Church. They ran youth ministries there together for a long time. Then Josh took over after Doug left. And now they're actually both youth pastors again, back together at Mariners Church in Southern California. Uh, but they run a little organization called Download Youth Ministry, DYM. If you've ever been in youth ministry, you've probably heard of that. If not, that'll all fly over your head. Anyway, I've got like books and blogs and like spe- Like this guy speaks at conventions. He writes like a big chunk of the curriculum for an organization called Orange that does family uh, ministry of all all ages. Um, he, he's written stuff for D. Dym. He's written stuff for Saddleback. I mean, The guy is uh, literally a legend in youth ministry, and I am fortunate enough to have encountered him a bit and getting to talk with him on the podcast, uh, hearing some of the stuff that's not normally talked about. Usually it's, hey, what's the new thing you're doing? And there's a little bit of that, but we're going to talk more about how he met Jesus and, and what kind of things God has done in his life uh, and where uh, he has seen God hugely glorified and awesomely and radically uh transforming his own life and his family's life i can't wait for you to hear that so stick around for that interview with josh griffin coming up next hey i'm here with josh griffin so excited uh, to talk with him today josh how are you doing man Welcome Dude, to the b for Jesus podcast.
2: <laughs> Thank you for having me on. And I'm doing great. It's a great day. I just got back from a, a pickleball trip, which uh, I've never gone on vacation before nice. just for like pure relaxation. And, you know, we always yeah. have an agenda. We're sightseeing. <laughs> we're visiting family, something. And uh, yeah. we just played 30 games of pickleball and we were on the river the whole time. It was a nice. glorious, a glorious day. So I'm doing great.
1: That's awesome. Okay, so uh, tell me about, uh, I've heard of pickleball. I don't think I've ever played it. Tell me about pickleball. What is that?
2: Well, I'll be honest with you. I didn't expect pickleball to come up so early in the show, but I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, It's the fastest growing sport in America. It's like uh, a combination of ping pong and tennis. Is that a real thing?
1: It's the fastest growing sport in America?
2: Fastest growing (laughs) sport. Google it. Google it. It'll show up. I'm going to. All right. No, it's a great sport. It's it's uh, it's honestly, it's been around for like 50 years, and wow. old people used to play it. But it is sweeping the country.
1: All right, <laughs> man. Well, hey, people, you heard it here first. Pickleball, uh, go check it Pickleball. out. Pickleball, it's uh,
2: a thing.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, it's so it's so good to take that time and actually get a real vacation. I know what you mean about, uh, especially being in youth ministry. Uh, The temptation of some people to treat every camp and mission trip and uh, conference or anything like that as vacation, at least in their minds. And so whether or not that actually gets held to you by your leadership or anything else, although sometimes I know I've heard that happens, but it's so hard to be like. Yes, I need a vacation. I know I haven't been here in three weeks, but I was I did two camps back to back and then went to another continent on a mission trip. I'm ready for like ten days of sleeping. So exactly. don't call me. <laughs> I try you to go somewhere it. like Yosemite. Like I'm gonna go be in a canyon where you couldn't call me on purpose if you wanted to. <laughs>
2: yeah, the only problem is I have T Mobile and T Mobile doesn't work at my house, but it works incredibly well in the most remote places in the country. So I could be in the middle of nowhere, and we were. We were in Mexico in the middle of nowhere, and my phone was the fastest it's ever been in my life. So I'm like, I can't get away. Thank you, T-Mobile.
1: Yeah. Oh, man, that's hard. I had the opposite problem when I was – I used to have T-Mobile back in the day, and I had to drop them because the only place I got service was about 10 minutes from my house. I didn't get it at my apartment, didn't get get it at my fiancé's apartment, didn't get it at work, and dropped calls most of the way on the freeway. So I was Other like, I don't that, have anywhere I go or I could talk yeah. on the phone. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic if I was two blocks from my house at a stop sign. <laughs> but, okay, so uh, we've gotten a little ways into chatting already, and we haven't fully introduced you. Um, today's yep. guest is uh, Josh Griffin. And, uh, man, if... For those who are listening who are, have ever been connected to youth ministry, uh, he's a legend. And so there's a good chance you know who he is. Uh, I've been around youth ministry long enough that I remember seeing announcements when more than dodgeball was coming out and it was a junior high blog that Josh had started way back in the day. And it is, it was phenomenal. It was one of those things. It was like, Oh my gosh, there's somebody else out there who gets us no way. And, and cause if anything was gracious enough to be related to youth ministry, it never had to do with middle school. It was always like stuff for high schoolers. And so to have this really middle school ministry focused, uh, blog was fantastic. And, um, and then, Download youth ministry and all these other things. You've been around youth ministry for a few minutes. I've already spoiled a bunch of it, but Josh, give us just a little <laughs> picture. Who is Josh Griffin?
2: Yeah, well, I'm a dad of four. I have uh, three teenagers and a 20 year old now, so we're <laughs> I'm deep into high school. I'm art. My kids are past junior high, which is crazy to say, and uh, I have another one going off to college in the fall. It's wild. So uh, I'm a junior high pastor. I do youth ministry. I've given my life to help youth workers. Uh, you know, do their job better and find their calling and live in their calling better and to help junior highers and high schoolers know and follow Jesus. So uh, right before the show, thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah. I was finishing my junior high message for this weekend and uh, I taught a parent workshop last night on how kids deal with their phones. So I mean, I'm, nice. I'm in it, dude. I'm not like, yeah. oh, that guy used to do youth ministry. No, I, I did it last night. I did it this morning. I'm I'm going to a volunteer baseball game tomorrow night. Like I'm in it oh, deep That's awesome, and been doing it for a long time.
1: <laughs> that's so cool, man. I love, I love hearing that. And I know, uh, I remember seeing announcements that you were stepping out of youth ministry for a minute to go fo- more full time with DYM and some curriculum writing and that kind of thing. And then seeing you come back on staff with Mariners and back into junior high ministry, I was just like, that is too good. Yeah, download youth ministry.
2: Download youth ministry definitely took off beyond my wildest dreams. And Doug (laughs) Fields, my buddy, and I—you know—we we we were at Saddleback together. We had run youth ministry for a long time together, and this little idea just kept growing and growing and growing. Mm. And I thought I can't do both, and I'm going to sacrifice my family or this Mm. this thing that God is clearly in too. And so, we took a couple years just to do download youth ministry full time. It was a blast, but I'm not going to lie to you. I love the church and I love being a part of what God's doing. And I could still speak and write and travel, which is fun. And I love that too. I still get to do a little bit of that, but the, the man, instead of just swooping in and helping teenagers and then leaving, you know, dropping a bomb and then letting them figure out how to deal with the consequences, (laughs) I want to be there for the families in the journey and in the struggle. And like I've lived it and parenting is tough and raising teenagers in this generation is really tough. And raising yeah. disciples is the ultimate challenge. So um, that's what I've given my life to. I've been in youth ministry almost thirty years, at three wow. churches in total, and <laughs> uh, and in it every day,
1: <laughs> man. And that's that's two stats that very few youth pastors ever attain: thirty years in youth ministry and three churches, like that. I mean, that's there's no way to divvy that up where you haven't spent at least a decade in yeah. one spot. Yeah. And so that, that is an uh, incredible legacy and the the, Thanks, the commitment there and, and just the testimony of faithfulness um, is incredible. I can only think of, like, you know, a couple of—I I can think of a handful of guys I've even just run across, much less actually know, who uh, actually have spent that much time in youth ministry. And even I, like— I have somehow come out almost like veteran on some of my gigs and like my last ministry, I was only there for four years. It was like to the week, it was four years. While we were moving back, I'm getting in the U-Haul, I get a notification, Facebook memories, it's a picture of me in the U-Haul driving to my last church. I'm like, that's just weird. But it was also, I mean, I thought I was going to be at my last church forever. We owned a house. We were going to plant a church there and uh, God had other plans. And here we are, and it's great. But
2: Well, and, and um, four years is still no slouch. Four years is a long time. And I mean, I, I'd yeah. love it for it to be even longer. But in youth ministry, right. you know, and in today's world and with COVID, like I think more than ever, people are looking for a change and a fresh start. So i I wouldn't even say right now is a good time to. To stay somewhere a long time, it feels like mm. you know changing and pivoting is the name of the game. But uh, I've been very fortunate to be able to stay at some places a long time. And anyone who stays yeah. in youth ministry over two years at a place, you see some things and you experience yeah. some things and you live through some pain and you deal with good leadership and bad leadership and you've made good choices and bad choices. And so I feel like, man, just stay <laughs> a little longer if you can, and yeah. it'll it'll be you know big rewards.
1: Yeah. Well, and there's nothing like watching a whole class of students come through.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, and so that was one of the one of the biggest blessings uh, to me was uh, a kid who I'd met freshman year or the summer between her freshman and and sophomore year. um, And I'd been there about six months and she came to camp, gave her life to Jesus. And then her last year of, uh, you know, the summer after high school, she came and interned with me. Uh, You know, and and was on staff with me and part of my team for a summer. And it it just incredible this to be part of that whole journey just for that, you know, section, just to to witness that entire uh, path is so powerful and and means a lot to the students, too. Is this so hard when somebody leaves every other year? I mean, you know, you have teachers who come and go in your life, but they're usually still at your school. And so they're still around and, you know you moved into the next class and you can still go back to them. If, if they're supposed to be there and they bail on you every five minutes, it really um, starts to feel like it contradicts the call of the church that we stand on stage exactly. and preach about. Exactly. So, so that longevity is huge. Um, Josh, I'd love to back up a little bit and hear um, even before you got into youth ministry or, uh, or ministry at all, how did you meet Jesus? Because that is a radically, uh, I mean, a radical shift in anybody's life, whether you've grown up in church or not. Um, and so would you mind telling us a little bit of that,
2: yeah. that story? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was, uh, I was born in Wisconsin and my dad was a pastor of a small church, middle of nowhere. You mm-hmm. would, you know, never going to hear his name. He didn't write any books. Uh, but he was one of the most faithful men that I have ever met and, and known and seen. He was my hero, still is my hero. That's and awesome. uh, he and my mom raised me up in a Christian home. And it was one of those where what was preached from the pulpit was backed up at home. And so mm-hmm. there was a it was accurate. Instead of, you know, sometimes as, as Christian leaders, it can be so inconsistent. And you're like, that's not real. Or that's not a real story. Or I wonder what his kids are like. And for my parents, man, uh, they had had a fair share of faults. They're human beings. But, man, they loved me and they loved Jesus. And so my parents pointed me to Jesus from an early age. And so one day at church, I I heard about the the work of what Jesus had done for me to forgive my sins and to cleanse me. And uh, even at that young age and being raised in the church, hearing about this God the Father guy who loves me and created (laughs) me. You know, it was easy to see God because I think my parents raised me with the love and the faith that Mm. few parents get. Honestly, the kind of parent I want to be. And uh, Jesus changed my life. And it was an early age. And I I wish, you know, sometimes I'm like, man, I I don't have a story like sex, drugs and rock and roll. (laughs) And then at four, at four, I became a Christian. You know, it was like, you know, it was like, you know what? God has has given me a lot of favor to to draw me to Him at a at a very early age Mm. that I would know Him and see Him and follow Him, and have made my fair share of mistakes and all that stuff too, plenty. Sure, Uh, (laughs) but that like testimony and sometimes when I share my story, people are like, you know what, mine's kind of boring too, and I'm glad to hear yours, you know. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's not boring. It's not boring. It's a transformational power of Jesus in our lives. Um, yeah, but it just doesn't have like the the same you know story that some people we might elevate more than others. Yeah, but you know when I'm talking to my junior hires, they're in the same boat. They're being raised in the church, and they're like, right. that's that's my story too. And so, so good. Um, yes, I'm thankful for all the all of the stories that God rescues people from. But mine is equally true and equally powerful. Uh, it's just not quite as sexy. <laughs> no,
1: no, it totally is though. Uh, on on two fronts. Um, one, the the thing you just said about like the the teenagers and and hearing the the testimony of faithfulness and of the validity of growing up in the church and now like yeah, and then as I went to school, as I did all of these things, as I entered the adult world, had my own kids and everything, this holds up. And th- right. there's immense test. Right. Uh, testimony of faithfulness in there Uh, and conversely as cool as the radical testimonies are I remember uh, going through we used to do early morning Bible studies and I had a freshman group of guys uh, that we would meet up before school at a McDonald's and we didn't have any curriculum and so while we were trying to figure out something else I was like well let's watch a few of the I am second videos and so we went through like three four weeks of that and by the I think it was about the third time we watched a video we get to the discussion afterward and they were like I mean, these are really cool at all. And like, those guys are awesome. But dude, like, how can I relate to a guy who's 40, who used to be strung out on heroin and like, you know, blew right. all his monies on hookers and cars and stuff. And like, he's like, I don't understand that at all. I'm 12. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. I mean, there aren't a whole lot of middle schoolers who get that. You know, that's not really an eighth grade scenario. Yeah. And so that, That did kind of clue me into, oh, yeah, not everybody's been through. And in my head, I was thinking the obvious, like, well, if God could be faithful in that, then he could be faithful in what you're in. Uh, Exactly. But but since those are, like you said, those are the sexy stories, we tend to elevate those. I want to hear some radical, like, prison transformation. And those are super cool because God can reach anybody. But we also need those. And as a dad of two... I've got twin 11-year-olds who are in sixth grade right now, and so now I have my own youth ministry in my house, (laughs) and um, I own, you know, I'm raising two uh, middle schoolers. Man, they have known Jesus forever. You know, we baptized them when they were like seven. I don't want them to have a crazy heroin rehab story. I want them to have a testimony like yours. I want them to have a testimony of, I heard dad preach every week. I heard mom preach, I heard you know, I saw ministry yep. up close, behind the scenes, all of it. I saw consistency and yep. faithfulness. I saw integrity in my parents. I saw what Christianity looks like on stage, in public and at home, and I'm ready to do this forever. And that is what we pray for on a daily basis and what we're hoping for. So the as great as the you know amazing crack addict testimonies are, I need I we need to share the radical difference of yeah, following Jesus faithfully for a lifetime.
2: Yep. Amen and amen. I'm so, nodding the whole time, dude. Yeah. Amen. So, you so get hearing it. that, <laughs>
1: so, so hearing that from you, um, where would what would you say um, in the midst of uh, the the world around you? So growing up in the church, and and maybe it's kind of over all of life, or maybe it's like the most current difference. But where do you see? Sorry, let me preface this with so that the podcast be rad for Jesus. The idea being following Jesus is radically different and radically awesome. This is the coolest thing ever, but it's also very different. It's very counterculture. It's very punk rock. You know, it's very different, different from how the world operates. So in your life, where do you find that the biggest difference as a Christ follower compared to uh, the rest of the world around you?
2: Yeah, uh, I would say I, I get to give God credit. For what happens in my life. So an an example would be, uh, we sent my kid to kindergarten. We had this kindergarten we really wanted to go to. This is now years ago because I have old kids. And we prayed and prayed and said, man, we really want to send him to this kindergarten. It's expensive. We don't know what to do. And God provided a unique situation where the money came in. Now, you could chalk that up to like chance or circumstance. And I go, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for providing us. Um, What a gift. Like, I I get to give him the credit. I don't take Mm -hmm. the credit for my story. So uh, Mm -hmm. I I was a youth pastor in Michigan uh, years before that and came to California to serve at at one of the most influential churches in the country, Saddleback Church. Mm -hmm. And people ask me all the time, like, how? Who is that good that could get to? And I I said, whoa, 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 not me. Let me tell you. It's not me, but let me give the credit to God. Like Mm -hmm. the biggest difference between, I don't see circumstances. Mm -hmm. I see the hand of God moving in my life, in my kids' life, in our family. Um, There's been some tough times in our story. I remember growing up and my parents would literally be praying for God to provide for, you know, whatever, a a medical bill or something. My mom got really sick. Part Mm -hmm. of my story is my mom got really sick when I was in junior high and high school and God did an amazing miracle. Now, you could chalk that up to, uh, you know, good doctors, and they were good doctors. You could chalk it up mm-hmm. to good medicine. It was good medicine. But I will give credit to the great physician, the, yeah. the God of the universe who cares. You know, Jesus walked around healing people and he healed my mom. So yeah. now, I remember God providing food for our family when things were tight and money. It, I just don't walk around going what a coincidence or can you believe what are the chances? Right. I would say the most radical thing in my life is being able to point people to the Jesus Mm -hmm. of my life, the Lord of my life as he provides cares for heals. He does miracles and I want to recognize those miracles. It's not circumstance or chance or what, you know, what in the world or how did that ever happen? I go, Man, God, he, and in many times I would say His favor, His blessing. Mm-hmm. I want to recognize that it's not my yeah. abilities, my talents, gifts, and abilities. And even if it was, He gave me those too. So it's not. Yeah. You know, I can't take credit for anything. But yeah, so I, I think exactly. I think that's super countercultural because the the culture says, "Hey, mm-hmm. you did it. You achieved yeah. it with hard work and determination. You can be an you can NBA do star, you put or a your mind CEO." To. Anything, yeah. And instead, I go, I am going to work hard, and I am going to be faithful. But Mm. man, if the spotlight is put on me, I'm going to make sure that God gets the credit for what he's done. So you see this in our culture. There's a few athletes who understand that. There's a few actors who get that. There's hopefully people in our circles, our friends that get that. But um, the radical difference for me is I see God orchestrating every moment of my life, even the parts of my story that I'm I didn't I don't understand at the time, the twists yes. and turns, the pain, even some mm. of that stuff. I'm like, I give God the credit, and I I blame Him for the story and the journey. He's big enough to handle it, you know, and uh, He's He's blessed us tremendously, and I don't want to take any credit for it.
1: Yeah, man, that's so good. Um, And and I think that that humility, I mean, wrapped up in, uh, you know, that the pithy definition of humility being he's God and I'm not, you know, there's only one God and it's not me. It's not you. And that just that concept of, yeah, these great things happen, but it's not coincidence or anything else. There is a loving God who is actively involved in my life and, and we can see his hand moving in all these circumstances is phenomenal and is a testimony to those around us when, they go like, what's with all this? You <laughs> Well, there's, you know, Jesus. So um, that's a thing.
2: Exactly. Um, <laughs> well, even, you know, I took my neighbors, I took my neighbors to the airport this morning. They, yeah. they don't follow Jesus at all, but it's just something I wanted to do to help them out and, and love on them and their kid and whatever. And yeah. I just, I want them to meet Jesus and I want them to credit and see Jesus working in their life and in my life. So mm. any chance I get to uh, welcome people into that, You know, even when someone says, "You know, how's it going?" or "How's your family doing?", I I won't just say, "Man, the kids are growing up." And God's—I try to always weave some faith in there, so people Mm go, "Oh, they don't just have a perfect, squeaky clean life." Um, God is working in their life, or you know, in the midst of pain. Which right now, you know, I was talking to my sister-in-law. Today, and they're experiencing some really painful medical diagnoses today. Mm -hmm. Some good news, some bad news. That's kind of how it works together, you know? Yeah. Um, I want them to see faith. I was talking to a youth pastor buddy on text today, and Mm -hmm. he's just devastated about what's going on. And I'm trying to encourage him so that he could see Jesus working in his story too. And that's the hard part because sometimes we don't always see like this nice, happy Jesus bow at the yeah. end of our story we're like what was that for again because i'm not yeah. sure I, I all this pain or hurt or experience or whatever but we know that god is going to use every part of our story for his kingdom and for his glory yeah. so let's give him some credit
1: amen yeah and, and that's and that's so much better even than the uh the the cheap version of that of you know well everything happens for a reason so i can just like pretend right. like this is okay and instead going no, some things just brutally suck because life is hard and we live in a broken world. However, there's a God who can rise us above all those circumstances and who is good no matter what sort of evil we wreak on each other on each other, or what sort of just horrendous accident we run into. Still, there's a good and loving God who is faithful and gives us hope no matter what, which is just amazing and such a different perspective than um, the rest of the world. And so... In some of that, uh, that you were just mentioning, you mentioned a couple of times, you know, that God does do incredible, miraculous things. And uh, you mentioned like your mom was sick uh, when you were a kid, and even some of the stuff with your sister in law um, today and whatnot. So, my question is what is the most radical thing that you have seen or experienced in following Jesus? Whether that's something incredible that God did, or something you witnessed, or something you were part of, or what, but what stands out as like, the most radically awesome thing that God has ever yeah. done.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I It's it's an easy answer for me. I, I'm trying to think of something that would be a little more nuanced, but this one just hit me in the face when I was in junior high and high school. I mean, hmm. my mom was diagnosed with a terminal illness hmm. and she was going to die. And so the doctor said, I don't have any hope. Uh, move, move to wherever the grandparents live so that your grandparents can help raise you. And... So we did, we moved my uh, the end of my junior high years to Wyoming, to the middle of nowhere, because that's where grandma and grandpa lived. And I learned how to do the laundry. Uh, I'm still pretty terrible at it, but I learned. (laughs) Uh, I learned how to do the dishes. I'm actually a really good cook, because my mom taught me how to cook. And my grandma is amazing, and and God did a miracle. And so, Mm. easily, the most radical I mean she's alive to this day Praise she's God. alive we were we, were, we were texting she's not a very good texter because she's like you know 75 years old or Whatever. <laughs> she's not a great texter but she's getting there yeah. and I saw God do a miracle and she she was trying mm-hmm. like experimental drugs and herbs and like everything mm-hmm. natural whatever she could get her hands on to try to stop the brokenness in her physical health mm-hmm. Um But I I love telling that story because God used the people and he used the prescriptions and all that. But he did something supernatural that I still look back on and go, I know that we don't see Jesus like touching people and healing them today. Like he's not walking around telling people to walk or, you know, he doesn't do that. He's not here. He's in heaven. The Bible says preparing a place for us, right? right? So, but I have seen Jesus heal. And he hasn't walked on the earth for thousands of years, 2000 years. He's been gone, but I've seen him. I am an eyewitness. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm teaching about uh, Thomas this weekend Mm -hmm. at youth group. And Thomas was an eyewitness to the healings of Jesus. And, you know, obviously he had his doubts too, which is a great story. I'm going to talk about that, but he got to see Jesus do those miracles. and, Mm -hmm. And then Thomas went on to change the world. I have seen Jesus do a miracle. Now, there is some mystery to God, and I don't know why he doesn't do this with everybody. I don't know why he chooses to show his power and his ability to heal to some and not to others. That is for God and for his kingdom to decide. Mm -hmm. All I know is my mom was on death's door, and she is alive, and I will proclaim the healing name of Jesus until, uh, it's my turn to go meet Jesus someday. So I've seen it. I'm an eyewitness.
1: Yeah. Oh, praise God. That's awesome, man. And praise God that your, your mom is still here. Um, yeah, amazing. Yeah. And I, I think that there's a piece that you said at the end there that I think is so applicable, uh, to so many things in life of, uh, You know, you mentioned that, like, I don't know why he doesn't do this every time, but I've seen it happen and I know it's possible and I know he does do it. And I think there's a lot of hot topics out there. There's a lot of hard things that happen in life where we want it to be universally applicable. And that's just I can't think of very many things in life where that actual where any universal principle of this is how it works every time where that holds up. Other than salvation, if you place your mm-hmm. faith in Christ, call mm-hmm. him Lord, believe that God raised him from the dead, you're in. That is universally yep. true. It ha- it works every time. Yep. Short of that, nothing else in scripture really is, or in life really, is completely applicable by, like that. And even with modern medicine and all the things, we check stuff out and it's like, you know, I fell the same way they did. You know, they were fine. I broke a leg. You know, we we had the same kind of treatment done. They were completely cured of it. I was not or they were not, you know, and all that stuff. Why would we expect that to be any different spiritually and realistically? But we do. And we get really upset when it's not. And we try to find somebody else to blame for that when it's like, no, this is the chaotic nature of a broken world. Anyway, I don't need to preach at you uh, on that. But, uh, but yeah, no, it. that's, no, I'm in. that's amazing. Man. I'm with
2: you.
1: Um, uh, okay. So, uh, God, Josh, thank you so much for uh sharing that story too. That was, um, I, I, I want to move on to something a little lighter and more fun, but I, I do want to acknowledge the, um, just the openness there and, and how grateful I am to hear, hear that. Cause that's, um, that's something that I was. Uh, i messaged you about this, and and I'd said before, like I've heard you on a couple of podcasts, other podcasts recently, and they're all very like ministry leadership focused. So it's talking all these very principles much so. and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I love all that. I love all that. I love all that. I've heard him say that from stage before. I've done that. Like I've read that in a book or a blog or what. And um, and I was really excited about this interview for this reason because this is. I feel like a, a different angle that we don't always get to hear in those things cuz like no I've got to talk about this is their topic so we've got to hit that 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 or this is yeah, my new thing exactly. to push so I've got to be on to push my book or to push my new gig or um you know you've got the uh early years of what's it called now early years of youth
2: ministry the first few years of youth first ministry. few years so, cuz yeah cuz that's a play from, from with, Doug's
1: yeah. book first yeah. two years of youth ministry I don't know how many times I I, found, I ran across youth pastors who found that in year three and felt like, well, that's not for me. Then and it was like, if you haven't read it, you need to start at the beginning. I'm telling you, yeah, this is better. exactly.
2: So now uh, I'm like, we're just to say few, it'll help kind of bring yeah. a few more people into the fold <laughs> at the front end
1: of ministry ish.
2: <laughs> exactly. That's it. That's it.
1: Uh, no, but on so on the fun side of things, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you are a huge Star Wars fan.
2: Oh, I've been wanting to talk about your shirt this whole time, dude. Come That's on, a now. Great shirt, right? It's so good.
1: I um, <laughs> this is my the Father's Day tradition in my house is that I will get at least one Star Wars shirt, uh, and then probably some bobbleheads. I've, you can't see them, so good, but there's some fun. Yeah, know. I see them there. And then there's um, I've got you know some mugs there. I got a little Millennium Falcon Bluetooth speaker up here and all that. My Star Wars poster doesn't have a place to hang, so it's just chilling on the floor right now. Because I'm in my garage. This is a fake office. (laughs) So,
2: dude, it looks cool. I'm in my um, garage. Yours looks way better than mine.
1: (laughs) I put a lot of time into. I was like, babe, I need a place to like have a studio. So yeah, Star Wars to the max. I knew I had to rock a Star Wars shirt. Um, And this one's kind of subtle too. So I like it because it's like almost stained glass. um, Yeah,
2: no, I love it. Mandalorian baby Yoda, little Grogu action. It's perfect. It's just perfect.
1: I, I, I was uh I was excited about that. I hadn't seen this one until my kids got it for me and I was like, what? This is cool. Yeah. That's good uh, cool. um, So um Knowing that and knowing you've been a big part of DYM for a long time, I even saw, um, I don't remember what post it was, but I saw that you were utilizing it. You were like, so glad to uh, you know, be using this game with parents and then so glad to be using this game, all these DYM resources. And so I have one that I've had in my vault from like years ago in youth ministry. That is the Holy Bible or Star Wars, not the quotes, but the names of places. I have a Ooh, feeling you're it. going to be really good at this. Oh, and so boy. I just wanted to run through, but even just for people listening, you could play along with us a little bit. What, I'm in. Are, this sounds great. Now, in, each in of these, all
2: fairness, all I know is the Star Wars movies. I know the movies really well. So if yeah. you're into books, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i try, but uh, no promises.
1: <laughs> I No, I, I don't think this includes anything from Legends, and I'm going to go out okay. on a limb and say this is old enough that it predates the sequel trilogy.
2: Oh, wow. So, so I this, should, this is, should be my wheelhouse. Let's yeah, go. This is Let's go. first
1: six movies. Um, yeah. And and I think even mostly just from the original uh, trilogy. But um, okay. obviously, so the first one, just to give us a they because Bible names sound weird. <laughs> <They> <laughs> Bible do. places sound weird. Um, and so we've got the question, then we've got a next level of, even if you know where it came from, do you have any idea what happened there? So first one, wow. Dagobah
2: easy yeah Dagobah that's the home planet of uh, Yoda where he's exiled yes, in Empire strikes back Boom. So that is
1: Star Wars yes <laughs> Absolutely that that one was that was easy that was a gimme that was that's the one you use from stage with your leader you. before you yeah. do the game where you go You're
2: making me feel like good about myself yeah thank you I can play yeah, yeah. this game got it
1: Yeah youth ministry uh you know it's my job to encourage through uh, incessant mm. teasing,
2: yeah. <laughs> right? That's <laughs>
1: encouragement through mockery. Middle school ministry. Okay, <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Next one. Best spin. Star Wars or Bible?
2: Best spin. That is Star Wars. It's also known as Cloud City, the uh, the home planet above Lando Calrissian. Also, Empire Strikes mm. Back.
1: Yeah. There you go. See, <laughs> he even knows what movie it's from. This guy. He knows yeah. Star it's not Wars. bad. Not bad. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now we've got a place called Jokmeam. I don't know if I'm even saying that right. Jokmeam.
2: I'm going to say Jachmiam. Bible, and I'm going to say it was an Old Testament city of the Philistines. Am I right? Am I close?
1: I think it's something like that. Yeah, it's it, it's from the Bible, and it's from it's mentioned in 1 Chronicles six sixty eight. And the slide doesn't actually have the reference here, so I don't know what that what That's actually happened there. But yeah, That's that was pretty good. That was solid because a lot of these. <laughs> Um, you don't have any context for, really, as you're going through those.
2: Um, if you're keeping track of score at home, I'm three for three, just for the he record. He is.
1: He's three for three. Okay, <laughs> so question four. We're, we're going to see. I, this is going to we're gonna okay. burn right through this. I got a bonus one I at the it. end, though. Uh, okay. So we'll see. Okay, Coruscant.
2: Coruscant, uh, the city planet, uh, home of the Jedi Temple, Star Wars. Yep.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Uh, a similar, um, you know, concept, Decapolis.
2: Decapolis. Ooh. It sounds like Star Wars, but I'm going to say it is a Greek city that Paul visited on his missionary journey. Bible.
1: Uh, close. If I, final answer. Is that what you were starting to say? Final answer?
2: <laughs> yeah, final <laughs> like, answer. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> It is Bible. It is New Testament, um, and it is Greek. It's, uh, but it's the um, the ten cities on the other side of the Galilean region, uh, or the Sea of Galilee, okay. where Jesus visits okay. and he goes through the Decapolis uh, or visits it a couple of times. Uh, referenced for the first time, I believe, in Mark seven. Um, okay, and that's so, not
2: bad, not bad. I'm yeah, not no, no, no. You're done good. Done, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You had, you had Bible. You had New Testament. That's definitely a win. <laughs> so we're four for five for five. That's four. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna go, steal a point. Go. Five for five. Okay. (laughs) Here's one. Another that is uh, difficult to say, but uh, Diblathame.
2: Diblathame. Uh, I have no idea. (laughs) So I'm going to say it was a, it's Bible and it is a, it's an end times. I'm going to say it's, I want to say it's instead of Daniel but I'm going to say Revelation instead. I have mm. no idea.
1: How did I <laughs> No, do? that's a good try. You're correct on Bible. It's definitely yes. in the Bible. Uh, and Jeremiah talks about it. I think it's somewhere that okay. he either prophesies against or visits. Um, again, I've got the reference Jeremiah 48, 22. I'll probably throw the re- all these random Bible verses in the show notes. And people will be like, what do is it. all this? Like, <laughs> Why is there random judgment in your show, show exactly. description?
2: There's <laughs> a prophet for you. Boom.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Edar or Edar.
2: Ooh, that sounds so much Star Wars like, but I, uh, Endor is the, the mm. planet with the Ewoks. Um, and there's all, actually, that's a good one because Endor, which I know is not what you're saying, but Endor yeah. is also in the Bible. Yeah. It's, it's the planet. That of was going to be one of
1: my bonus questions. Oh!
2: <laughs> Because <laughs> uh and it, the, answer's the both. witch of Endor. Yeah, the Witch yeah. of Endor is uh Saul uh when he's being uh chased by King David, uh visits the witch of Endor. Uh we'll yeah. say this one again just so I get it right. I want to make sure Edar. I get it. Edar. I'm gonna say that Abraham made a sacrifice there and it's in the Bible. Whoa. I I don't know. It's How something close? like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. In Genesis thirty five. <laughs> it's Bible. Yeah, we are seven yeah. for seven.
2: He's Guys, unstoppable, people. Is, this is yeah. Bring on, bring them on.
1: All right. Okay. rapid fi- We got three left. Four. Okay. Let's okay. do it. A couple left. Um, wow. This has more questions <laughs> than I thought. The numbering system is weak on this. It, <laughs> it's like <laughs> question answer, question answer. Several questions, but they're all numbered. You know, in order. I love but they're it. Wrong. Let's just
2: say I'm ten for ten for ten.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So far, no. You're seven for seven so far, and I all think right, you're gonna let's go, get there. Let's go. Mustafar.
2: Mustafar. Uh, Lava planet. Anakin and Obi Wan. Uh, Obi-Wan yep. has the high ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were supposed to be the
1: chosen one. <laughs> yeah. You were the chosen one.
2: Oh, dude, man. I can't wait for the new Obi-Wan show to come out. Oh, it's going to be so good.
1: Yeah. I I can't wait. It. I don't even care. Like, there's so much rumor mill hate on it. And every single Star Wars thing. Like, I don't even care. Like, people hate on it because it's not the story they wanted. But I'm like, if you pull back and just objectively, oh, yeah. it's still better than, like, any other sci-fi fantasy stuff exactly. out there. Even, even yeah. episode nine is still better that, than most of the sci-fi fantasy a, that's ever been made.
2: Exactly. There was a time when no Star Wars was coming out ever again. And now we right. get Star Wars every three months. I'm the happiest man ever. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. I, that's um, absolutely... I, I'm right there with you. I That and Marvel, I'm like, look, a bad Marvel movie is still better than most of the other things I could watch. So exactly. I'm here for it. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I can't wait for... Uh, Obi-Wan. Speaking of Mustafar, um, did, have you seen the meme where uh, they're talking about like Padme coming off the ship and where she's like, but Annie, what's happening to you? You're changing. And they're like, come on, real life, like lady who's like nine months pregnant with twins. She would have been like chucking his stuff off the ship and been <laughs> like, you know what? You stay here, jump in the lava while you're at it. I'm done with you. You know, like <laughs>
2: That's the true version, right there. That would have been
1: legit. Uh, As a father of twins, uh, I can say the hormones get real. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. Uh, (laughs) My wife never threw my stuff out or threw me out, but um, (laughs) it it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a rough life at times, you know. So true. (laughs) Um, Okay, here's another one that uh, could totally legitimately go either way. Ekbatana.
2: Oh boy. I I feel like I know my Star Wars planets better than obscure uh, story, so I'm gonna say a a Wookie. No, it was a Spice Planet in Star Wars.
1: <laughs> mm, good guess, really good guess, okay. but it's Holy Bible. It ah. is Ezra six two. It is mentioned, and that okay. is a biblical city. Okay, of some I sort. was
2: so close. I was yeah. so close to, to running the table
1: yeah no I, I, it's uh so that's you're eight for nine so that's okay. we're still still in good you get one more and you still pass with an a that's okay uh, hard to I, I do got better. This.
2: I'll, okay. I'll bring it home and
1: gosh what a what a gimme on these okay <laughs> <laughs> it, that's not even fair okay alderon
2: alderon bail organa's homeworld. Uh, princess mm. Leia, the adopted princess, was from there. It was blown up in Star Wars: A New Hope in
1: 1977.
2: <laughs> Come on, drop now. the mic. <laughs> yeah,
1: man. <laughs> yes, and it, uh, oh, it randomly has two more that are numbered as as things. Oh, let's um, go. So let, let's let's get go. you over a ninety percent. So you're at nine out of ten yeah, right here. now. Okay, well, we got go. two left. Go. Kashik.
2: Because she Wookiee homeworld scene in uh, Revenge of the Sith as well, or Attack of the Clones, something like that.
1: There we go. 10 out of 11. Spelled with and...
2: like five Ys.
1: <laughs> right? The Sheik. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, exactly. It's spelled like Wookiee Sith. Because All right. That was a terrible. Do you have a good Wookiee?
2: No, no, not <laughs> as good as that one.
1: That was as good as you. Uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Oh, man. I I recently saw a clip of um uh, of like actual footage like before they add in the Wookie growls and they have they have him just talking to Harrison Ford and it's wow. so weird so that way Harrison can react to what's actually being said and so you know you just hear him and he looks down and he's like he's like I think what they wanted was to come into the room and he's like I know what they want you <laughs> you're just like no Chewbacca speaking English is terrible I don't want Amazing. that at all. <laughs> that that needs to never happen for any reason. That was exactly. that was wretched. <laughs>
2: oh, I love it. I love it. Darth Vader same way. I've heard him where they just have the guy talking before James Earl Jones's voice was put in. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't work.
1: Yeah. Oh man. Okay, so that was all of my that was all of my Bible trivia. My last one was the Endor one, but you still have oh, eleven out of twelve. Uh, well, at thirteen. That's pretty good. Twelve out of thirteen because you you nailed that one too. So that's um, rock star status for a bonus, just pure Star Wars trivia. This has nothing to do with the Bible, Uh, although I dare you to find a way to make it. But uh, (laughs) George Lucas randomly came up with his naming system for R2-D2, the droid, Wow! which then he followed. uh, And, you know, all other droids kind of stuck with this system. Do you know where he got the inspiration ah. for R2-D2's name?
2: Oh, shoot. I should know this. I, I First of all, I've met George Lucas before. What? And I've been to Skywalker Ranch, his property and and house. It's my family home, Sky- I wish. <laughs> Skywalker <laughs> Sound. I've been yeah. at ILM. I've been to all of it. Uh, I'm going to say if it was like a tape recorder or a, a reel-to-reel deck, that he named after, or something to do with editing. That's mm-hmm. all I've got. I, if there's something in my head about it, but I, I don't think I have it quite right.
1: Yeah. No, that that's uh, pretty much that. He was formulating the story for Star Wars while working on American Graffiti. And he looks over, at and the reels, the big film reels that they were shooting on at the time, were called R2 and then Dialogue 2. And so it's labeled with R2-D2. And he wrote that down and, and made it the droid for that. And then he stuck uh, with that, sure kind of that, weird, yeah, that. That counts. Yeah, that was it, man. Come on. <laughs> so you're there. You were right there. And bonus points for, uh, knowing, uh, you know, for having been to Skywalker ranch. Cause I haven't, right. uh, those are like dream pilgrimage, pilgr- pilgrimages. You know?
2: It was an amazing experience. I got to do it right around the time. The phantom menace, uh, came out on DVD. They invited a few people out to see it early. So I watched mm. the phantom menace with George Lucas, what? uh, in like, 2001, uh, oh. changed my life. It was unbelievable. Wow,
1: man. That's, that's amazing. Uh, there that's, you go. that's very, very cool. I, it took me a long time. No, I was very excited. And then also like immediately walking out going, Oh, I can't with Jar Jar. I remember that. I remember same. being upset oh, with that, same. but everything else I was like, wow. Cause and still to this day, like oh, the, yeah. the closing battle, uh, between Darth Maul and Obi Wan and Qui Gon is exactly. the best Star Wars exactly.
2: duel. The Padre the sequence, like there's so many great moments, but yeah, yeah. there was some uh, in it too.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think for me that's something that I've actually straight up preached on in, in talking with leaders, in pointing out you know like getting everybody you know you all know Star Wars blah blah blah. Who's aware of Jar Jar Binks and just the absolute hatred that character deserves? That exactly. is exactly. That is what happens. And, and, really and no offense to no offense to George <laughs> Lucas, but it seems to me that those kind of decisions, making it all the way through, happen when you don't have trusted people who are willing to call you out on your bad ideas.
2: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They just rubber stamped it, and here we are having to deal with that for forever.
1: Yeah, because I mean, uh, especially in those days, all the people involved at ILM. And everything else and, and Skywalker sound and, and all the different aspects of all of their effects that had to go in to make a CGI character. I mean, that had so many people's fingerprints on it for exactly. it to get greenlit. That wasn't just like some uh, random thing he slipped in.
2: <laughs> I so agree. And how did that ever happen? But it is right. what it is now. My <laughs> my kids actually don't hate it, which is surprising to me. Because yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: my kids, my kids love it. My kids love Star Wars and they love, um, yeah, I I really, I really appreciate some of the things that they have caught on to because of that. And even like when I told my kid that I was going to be on with you and I was like, I got to pick out a Star Wars shirt. Help me, you know, which one, which one should I wear today? (laughs) Because I was like, I'll let you guys decide. And then, uh, and then she ran and got, and she's got a hat, you know, with the print under the bill like this, but it's Luke and Vader fighting and it says Uh, Star Wars here. And so she was so, she's like, well, I'm going to wear this. I should wear it more. And I was like, absolutely you should.
2: You should wear it more. Make yeah. your dad proud. Yeah. I love it. But
1: she she does. She, They love it. Um, so, Josh, to close things up, um, being a youth pastor and everything else, um, the final uh, question I have that we like to ask uh, to, to wrap this up is, um, for those out there, whether, and being a youth ministry, you get to encounter this a lot. And I feel like the one that's less talked about is with parents who don't really get it who aren't really into Jesus and sometimes their kid ends up coming because a friend brought them and then they love it. And then the parents are going like, why do you keep bothering my kid with your religion garbage and all this kind of stuff. So whether it's a middle schooler that's questioning why or a parent or just a friend, your neighbor, whoever, why, why is Jesus so radically awesome that like, what is so great about him that he's worth following?
2: Yeah, Uh, that's a great question. Um, well, first I've experienced it. And so I can tell you from this side, um, it's a better life. It's a better mm-hmm. life. You can make sense of the world, uh, when you know and follow Jesus because his story that he's telling, I mean, you have a creator, someone who loves you. You have a purpose mm-hmm. like so many people, especially teenagers, are just wandering without purpose in their life. And they're not even sure why they're here. And if we're all just a big accident, like what are the chances of it? Life is less valuable. And I'd mm. say when when you know and follow Jesus, there's a purpose and plan for your life. There's a reason why you're here. Uh, you are created by a God who loves you. So no matter how you feel about yourself, no matter if you're stoked or disappointed, happy or sad or in a pain, whatever, like yeah. there's a purpose for and a plan for you. So I would say you could try a lot of other things. You could chase a lot of other things. You could have a... A story that, but man, you can also follow him and let him guide and direct your story. Mm-hmm. Um, I've experienced that. I will not want it any other way. So it would invite you uh, into that story as well.
1: Awesome. I love it, man. That's, that's so good. And a hundred percent agree. Um, I think the the more I look at it, the more I see Jesus is, uh, the best answer to all of it and yeah, and hope it. on top of that. More than just an answer. It's the solution. Which is even better, right? So man, thank you. Thank you for being here and your generosity and sharing stories and just man, having a having a good time, having a laugh, uh, having a good chat. If people wanna follow up with you uh about anything, if they want to connect with you or you just have where where do you wanna point people? What do you what do you want to plug? I know you got your uh the new first few years of youth ministry and stuff. Where can people get all of that stuff? Sure.
2: Yeah, just follow me on at uh, Joshua Griffin on anything, on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Uh, You probably Google me and find me, whatever. Uh, But we'd love to just journey with you as you're following Mm -hmm. Jesus or doing youth ministry or in in a youth group somewhere, whatever. uh, I'm in. And uh, I think uh, hopefully you'll see somebody who's trying to follow Jesus as well. And so thanks for letting me be a part of the show, Brian. Always, Absolutely. always cool to be with you and see you again. Yeah. And, uh, and may the force be with you. That was awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and may the force are also with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always waiting for that in Star Wars movies. They're like, may the force be with you. And also with you. Wait, what? <laughs> and
2: also with you.
1: <laughs> oh man. And I can say, uh, uh, on the, uh, for anybody listening to this, who has gotten this far, um, on what Josh just is said. Very few. Hopefully. Yeah. Based on our stat, No. Um, but what Josh just said about if you run across him, what you'll see is somebody trying to follow Jesus. I can say from uh, I'm not anybody, um, you know, I don't know all the all the famous people. I, I'm not the famous people. But what I can say is I've run across enough people who nobody knows about to people who, you know, I've you know got several books with their name on it as the author. And Josh is one of the real ones. Everywhere I've encountered you, man, it's been consistent. I've seen you, you know, behind, behind the scenes uh, when things are going sideways and we can't find Doug Fields at the conference. <laughs> and I've seen you running uh, leader meetings. I've seen you on stage preaching to teenagers. I've seen you just, you know, r- randomly running into people in a hallway that nobody's paying attention to. And I've seen you, uh, you know, while we're trying to figure out how to fit, you know, twenty more people into one tiny hotel room to watch the next episode <laughs> of Mandalorian that came out. And, oh, uh
2: memory I will never forget <laughs> Yeah,
1: and in every case um, There are reflections of Jesus In who you are And I really appreciate I deeply appreciate that I see the same guy on stage Talking to thousands of people That I do uh, one-on-one Or with just a couple of people It's an inspiration and a challenge So thanks, man
2: That means a ton to me I appreciate it uh, That's who I want to be I want to be uh, like my dad who Who preached from the pulpit And then lived it out and uh, I'm trying.
1: So yeah. that,
2: that means more to me than you'll know too, Brian. Thanks, uh,
1: man. Deeply appreciate it. Josh, thanks for being on the Be Rad for Jesus podcast. You are rad for Jesus. <laughs> okay, that's it for this week's episode of the Be Rad for Jesus podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I If you've stuck around this long, you either hate us so bad you want to find out where to complain or you really loved it and you want to come back for more. I want to tell you how to do that. You can go to bradforjesus.com, and we have links to everywhere you can stream and subscribe to our podcast. We have episodes, we have show notes, all on there, where you can find us on anchor.fm or on the Anchor app. You can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and if there's another platform that we don't offer yet, hit us up on the website or through Anchor and let us know where you listen to podcasts and where you would like to hear or engage with this. If you do enjoy the podcast, would you consider leaving us a review, leaving us a rating, sharing it with a friend, posting it on social media, and or even going above and beyond and supporting this podcast, you can do that on Anchor, and uh, that would for sure help us make more episodes of this podcast Because caffeine definitely fuels just about everything we do Almost as much, but not quite as much As the Holy Spirit and our love for Jesus That said, I hope you have a rad day Go out and do something incredible Be rad for Jesus Because following Jesus is radically different and radically awesome